are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. What is this, like your 15th podcast? Well... I was on lots of podcasts, some that got recorded and some that didn't. On uh, accident? Yeah. <laughs> Can we re- record That's that? That's my nightmare. That's my nightmare here. Yeah, but those were fun. Are you going to break this up? Like like season by season. It's just like one year. Yeah, one A year. Se- oh, okay. Chris yeah. is, like, Chris is just going to like end it. <laughs> no, end he'll be starting season two. Oh, yeah. okay. He'll be the 52nd. You'll know season two. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get Mark on too. Come on, He's like, Mark. I just like listening. Okay. Tell us about your private investigation so that, stint. The yeah, FBI? Yeah, I was for a little bit. That wasn't a very long time. I would say about six to seven months. How uh, many cases did you do? Lots of cases. I mean, every day you're going out. It was a lot. Did you ever have a gun pulled on you? No, I got chased by a guy and his son with golf clubs. That was probably the most interesting <gasps> thing that happened to me. You outran them. Uh, thankfully, there was a fence there. I was in a ghillie suit in their woods stop it yeah and they were like they had figured out what was going on i was radioing to two guys that were in cars on either side of the road he was like way out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and he figured out someone was calling ahead he had burnt they call it getting burnt he had burnt the the tails that were following him he knew they were following him so he came out looking with his son and i got on the radio i mean they were still far enough away that they couldn't hear me but i could hear him thrashing through it i could see him coming through with these things i was just sitting in my ghillie suit and i had my backpack underneath me and i got on the radio and my guy and said come pick me up and he, where are you like, running down the road <laughs> and i like tossed my backpack over this fence that was behind me and jumped the fence and they came tearing after me and i just <gasps> took off booking it in this ghillie suit down the woods jumped out on the road and he came and picked me up in a pickup truck i jumped in the back and took off and that's the day you quit your job <laughs> no that was an exciting day <laughs> oh <laughs> Being, I'd be like, we're done here. Being a private investigator is not a glamorous job. It's not it's Magnum not like PI. It's not Tom Selleck. Uh, it's not. It's sitting in the back of a tinted out minivan. Tom Selleck dating yourself. How old are you? Yeah. My mom watched a lot of rerun TV. I watch a lot of MASH. I have the whole medicine martini collection at home. I, I loved MASH when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, my god! I still do. I still like MASH. Oh, this is just fascinating. I totally forgot about the PI thing completely. Did you have to carry a camera and take pictures? I took lots of video, mostly insurance fraud. Did you ever have like people hire you for affairs and stuff? Yeah, domestics. That happens sometimes. Yep. Do you find Did people? You lose faith in humanity. <laughs> you just feel like kind of... You feel like a creeper? Yes, yes. I just didn't like you are. the way I felt. <laughs> yeah, you're like sitting in a minivan videotaping people. It feels weird. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Hence the six-month stint. It wasn't for me. It wasn't my thing. You found your thing. Yes, for sure. Osborne P.I. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. Oh, you're ready already? I've... Get right into it. It's Betty. It's Katie. It's Josh. Thank oh. you for not putting the Y at the end of that. That's, no. What's your middle name? David. Joshua David Osborne is our special guest today. He came to our podcast studio. Thank you, Rob Schwartz, with Decaf Americana from Generations Cafe. Oh my Cafe. gosh, wasn't that the nicest thing? So thanks, so Rob. I, it's decaf and I'm drinking it. <laughs> oh. Even though I don't this believe a, in decaf. But. This is a big coffee. deal for you. Uh, what's thanks, your? Josh. What are You're your welcome. reviews? What do you your ratings oh gosh i don't know yet i'll tell you when we're done okay it made rob write poetry let's hear what it does for you and they told me about it when i picked it up about rob's ode to decaf coffee (laughs) (laughs) did you tell him that's why you were here i said i'm here for the best coffee in the world he said is it the americana decaf and i said yeah he said who told you that and i said rob he said rob schwartz that's right well he wrote an ode to decaf rob (laughs) the coffee john keats of our time so thanks for joining us absolutely yay we had to wait a while because you were in texas for training yes for the national guard glad to be back how many weeks were you gone 14 that's a lot of weeks it's a lot of weeks yeah we're glad you're back too thank you 
Josh was born in Whittier, California. If you heard his mom's podcast, which was early on, there was an earthquake. earthquake. Yes. And that's why they came home. So Josh was born there, but raised in Salem, Ohio, because of the earthquake in California. <laughs> so thank you, California, for sending the Osbournes back. He went to United Local from kindergarten through sixth grade, spent two years being homeschooled in junior high, and then back to United Local for his freshman and sophomore year. And then he graduated from Heartland Christian. You were only at Heartland your junior and senior year? Yep. I bounce around a lot. It explains a lot about me. He attended Valley Forge for his first two years of college, played basketball there, and then finished his undergrad at Mount Vernon, went to YSU for physical therapy school. He's got his doctorate in physical therapy, and these are his occupations. He's been a dishman at the Das Dutch house. That's right. <laughs> good, good memories from there. He was a lifeguard and a fitness instructor at the YMCA. He was a private investigator for a brief stint of time. And now he's a physical therapist. He's been a medic in the Air Force. And now he's an official police officer for the Air Force. What do police officers in the Air Force do? So I am, I've been to switch from enlisted to officer. So a lot of my time is spent mentoring and really kind of writing performance reports and that kind of thing, unfortunately. But the security forces career field, they're guarding, protecting the base and guarding the assets. It's a, a job that's needed, you know, both in country and out. Lots of opportunities within the career field. Josh has been married to Megan for 11 years. Megan's been on our podcast and they have Riley, who's five and Callie, who's nine months tomorrow. He's just learning how to golf and he's a podcast junkie listening and being guests on podcasts. How many podcasts you've done? I think just two, but I mean, I've done multiple episodes of the other podcast. Uh, this is old hat. Josh has been at the upper room since he's been a baby. I mean, at least as far back as I can remember. I don't remember going to any other church. Yeah, you might have been. I, I forget what th Becky said. Four, maybe. As far back as he can remember. His wife, his mom, his dad, his brother, his sister, sister his sister-in-law have all been guests on the podcast. We only have like two more Osbournes. Oh. So welcome, Josh. We're so glad to finally get you on. Thanks. I've really enjoyed listening. I am not a podcast connoisseur, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. In comparison to me, Com you are a podcast connoisseur. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of different podcasts. And I have to say, I enjoy this one maybe more than any other. I've listened to. I listen to them over and over again. I love it. Like when I listen to podcasts, I listen to it and move on to the next thing. I'm like trying to learn things. But I will go back, re-listen to each episode, listen to it a couple of times. And, you know, some of them, like my wife's, I listen to a lot. You know, I was down in Texas, especially. I was like listen to it all the time. And I've listened to my dad's a lot. And I've listened to a lot of people. It's just really enjoyable. You're both very good at this. People that I know, even like my parents, it's interesting to listen to their perspective on things. Every time I interact with my dad or my mom, it's with them as my parent. So it was interesting to listen to them as, as a person like, as a person in the world <laughs> and their perspective on the world without them parenting me at the same time. <laughs> like listening in on a conversation that they were having with someone else really, you know, the first time I've experienced that. So that was really interesting. And then lots of people that I didn't know or didn't know as well, certainly, mm -hmm. like Laura, her podcast was really good and listened to that uh, yeah. recently. Just finding out about her and it's been really good listening and finding out about people in the church and I think that's part of the goal of this right. is just to increase community. Right. It's easy, I will say, for me to just listen to a podcast about someone because I don't have to contribute anything. So it's very easy for me to just like receive information then and I can be more passive. But this is my challenge to myself is to take this and try to be more intentional about asking people questions and living with them more and community being with them more. Okay. I love that so much because I do feel like getting to know people from a distance, you know, through other outlets, whether it be podcast or someone sharing a testimony or hearing about someone through someone else does give you in those situations two options. And so I really appreciate you bringing that up because I feel like it's a real thing. Number one, you can take that information in passively and feel like you might know that person better, but you don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know about them a bit more. But in reality, there's still what Zach was saying, there's still the lack of relationship. You can passively take in that information, but you have the opportunity to actively take that information in by, after listening to them, doing something about it, introducing yeah. yourself, talking to them about something that they've already mentioned is really important to them, giving them the opportunity to say hello or speak into your life. 
I really appreciate that that was a challenge you made to yourself. Yeah. We can take in a ton of information and never do anything. Right, right. Anything with it. As I'm listening to it, I find myself constantly being like, oh, I'd love to interject that or I'd love to say that about this or I can relate to that in this way. Like Barry Kimball's. I felt like there were a lot of times like, oh, man, I totally relate to that. I I can really relate to what he's saying there. Although I know from listening that he does not want me to come talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) He He might make exceptions. (laughs) He'll totally make an exception. He would like to hear your thoughts. It's been it's been really good. And this is a really cool medium. You know, it provides Mm -hmm. a way for you to get to know someone a little bit and at least have a way. You can feel like you can approach someone a little more comfortably. And I hope people feel that way after listening to mine, you know, like I can approach them about this or that. I think it's a catalyst for relationship. Oh, you put that really well. I I love how people have been vulnerable with their past and their experiences and their sin and their messes. And I think it makes people a little more relatable because we can show up at church and act like we have our acts together and look all put together. And everybody's judging themselves based on what they know about their hot mess and then looking at people and saying, oh, wow, they all have their acts together. And I don't. And so it creates this sense where people want to isolate. But I think when people are vulnerable, it says, oh, you know, they've had that experience or they've been through that. Or I mean, if you listen to all of us, you'll think Kate and I were total heathens at one point, which I don't think we were trying to be. But <laughs> no, not at all. Trying <laughs> Just lo- a little bit lost in some areas of our lives when we were in our college ages. But that it just makes people real. I think we can reach out and say, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have everything together to build relationships and get to know. So I always appreciate when people have been vulnerable with their messes in life. Yeah, for sure. And that you can still see them shining and still see goodness and God working in their lives, even in the midst of messes. I love that that's something that Laura did talk about, you know, that people at work might look at her and be like, oh, look at Laura. We love her so much. She's got it all together. And she can say, oh, no, 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 no. Would you like to hear (laughs) my story? I feel like this is, like you said, a medium that does that. Would you like to hear the story here? Yep. So tell us, Josh, who or what turned your light on? I've been thinking about this quite a bit. The question is, and kind of what's your testimony? When I think about a light turning on, it seems like an instant thing. And I think for some people, there's definitely a moment at which the light turns on. But a lot of people on the podcast that have been guests so far have said, like me, I grew up in a Christian home. And one of the things I really appreciated was Michael Broderick. He used the analogy of a fire. And I love that. I love that analogy. He talked about how sometimes it's just burning embers and sometimes it really gets roaring. So when I think about like the beginning for me, I'm going to seal Michael's analogy, if that's okay. I feel like to start a fire, you need to have the right ingredients. You know, you need to have dry wood. You need to have the kindling. You need to have a spark. And my parents provided that for me. I think a lot of times that's the hardest part of getting the fire going, at least having a fire. You have to be able to get it going. And my parents provided the ideal environment for me to get a fire going and provided the spark for me. When I think about my testimony, I think the word that keeps coming to me is legacy. My parents have both been on here and they've talked about that, you know, what turned their light on. And I've been a beneficiary of that, I think. Beth, in your podcast, you had talked about how you wanted your ceiling to be your kid's floor. I think that I've been blessed to have parents who really poured into my life and then allowed me to experience things. I think my mom is really good at the roots and wings concept. She gave me roots and so I could grow, but then also gave me wings. A lot of freedom to decide how I wanted to respond to certain circumstances. And, uh, and you know, even, even as a kid, I think today it's called free-range parenting, but she let me go a lot and experience different things. And then college was there for me at home. I definitely let me go. I'm really, really thankful to have the parents I have. I've listened to my dad's podcast more than I've listened to any other. I really love my dad. He's definitely my hero. And I can't stress enough how valuable that was for me. I really feel fortunate. A lot of people I know don't have that, didn't get that. And I hope that my testimony encourages them to be that for their kids. My dad, he taught me a lot about being a really good father. And I think, you know, people use their dad as kind of what God looks like. I think I just really was lucky to have a really, really good dad who challenges me even today to be a better dad for my girls. Like I remember my dad coming home from work and even as a as a young kid being impressed that he had a full day of work and then comes home and is going to play catch with me outside or play basketball. In his podcast, he talked about how he had been in all these sports. The truth is my dad is one of the most unathletic people on the planet. <laughs> I mean, I really, I don't want to, I don't want to. Overstate In the nicest it. way. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to overstate it. He's really disciplined and he's a fit guy, but he's 
I don't think sports is something that he would choose to spend time doing. But for some reason, all his kids love playing sports. And so he got into sports, you know? <laughs> I remember playing one-on-one basketball with him. He can hit a hook shot from like the back corner of our driveway, which is maybe 30 feet downhill. And uh, he can make it, I would say, two out of three times, which is super impressive with a briefcase in his left hand. Um, <laughs> so he does have that going for him. But he taught me just about what's required to be a dad and you need to be selfless. He definitely always put us first. And I always felt that as a kid. That's definitely the core of my testimony is like the legacy that my parents left me. I love that. And if, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to Dave and Becky, I just encourage you to go back. But Dave was on here recently, and he's an engineer. He's a smart guy. He has a big job. And it was like, you wouldn't have even known he had a job because he said, my passion is my family. Yeah. And I, and I think what's so beautiful is people are getting to hear the testimony of what Dave and Becky sewed into their family, because we've had three of the five kids on the podcast so far, and love to have the rest of them. So you get to hear that legacy being passed down to you and your siblings and the kids that are coming up behind you. And I think that that's just a beautiful picture. I hope it just encourages people that have families it matters what you put into it, you get fruit out of it. And so I think that Dave and Becky have been an awesome testimony to building families and seeing kids grow up in the faith and staying with the faith. And it's beautiful. So thanks, Dave and Becky. Yeah, absolutely. For that testimony and witness to the rest of us. Yes. And my dad talked about he benefited from his parents' faith. You know, I think about my mom and her her parents. They've been members of this church. And uh, my grandma passed away a couple of years ago. But my grandpa still comes and their marriage was, to me, and obviously to my parents, just a really great example of love. They were, it was going to be them against the world, you know, if, if necessary. You know, I've benefited from their testimony in that way. And then I'm also really fortunate that I married someone who has incredible parents, who themselves have incredible parents. You know, my wife's grandma is Shirley, and she's been on the podcast, and she's like the mother of the upper room. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to to meet Russ. I suppose I only knew him when I was a kid, but I never really got to to know him like I know Shirley. I'm a beneficiary. My kids are a beneficiary of his legacy. Him and Shirley have passed on to Mary Beth, who's passed on to Megan, who's, you know, passing on to our kids. So I'm really fortunate in that. And Don and Lois, who are Chip's parents, they have a powerful testimony. And Chip has a heritage and faith in, in his family. And I've really learned a lot from Chip as well. I'm fortunate to not only have one great dad, but I have two and it's also interesting that they're like polar opposites in a lot of ways. So it's been good to to kind of get that perspective from both. And then I'm going to be different, you know, and mm-hmm. learning that, that I shouldn't try to be exactly like my dad mm-hmm. and I shouldn't be exactly like Chip. I'm going to be my own dad and I'm excited about that. I think my job is to be a good steward of that legacy and pass it on to my kids so that they can pass it on to theirs. We were laughing. We left church on Sunday and Mark said, oh, my goodness. Josh Osborne, he looks exactly like Dave Osborne. (laughs) He looks so much like him. Yeah. Well, and I think you're an example. You and Megan are an example of not starting on the ground floor. You know, your grandparents and their parents, and they've been building, and you're not starting on the ground floor. So I love that. Can you think of a time where... Because everyone who grows up in a Christian home, they they have to take it into their own hands. You know, God doesn't have any grandkids. Can you think of a time or an area in your life where you decided that, yeah, this is my faith too, and this is my relationship with Jesus. It's not just my parents. Yeah, for sure. You know, Megan was on and she talked about this. But when I left the first time for military training, it was about seven months. I got back and she was a lot different than when I left in just the best way. And she talked to me a lot about Shine and this group of girls that she had gotten to know. And it's funny that back then, I, I feel like I didn't know very many people in the church, even growing up in it. Now she's starting to be in community with them. And it really had a huge impact on our marriage and made me decide that I wanted that. Shine had a huge impact on Megan and therefore a big impact on me. So I would say I would say shine was definitely one of the things that kind of made me evaluate what faith is to me and what that looks like on a day-to-day level. But then, I mean, the big event in our lives was when Finley and Riley were born. 100% that was, I remember the day, I guess I would have a moment. It was Mother's Day. It was right after they had been born and I was just upset with God, feeling like of all the people in the world, you know, Megan shouldn't be spending her Mother's Day like this. We came to church Kate, you were singing, and the song Over the Brokenness into the Emptiness, you were singing again, came on, and I was like, I'm not singing that, because that is, I just don't know if that's true. 
I felt like I had a choice in that moment if I could sing, if I could just open my mouth and say the words that it would start to become true for me. And it just wrecked me. That was uh, the moment that I decided that my circumstances weren't going to dictate whether or not God was good, that I was going to choose to believe that he was good all the time. And why it was happening, I didn't need to know. I think that changed a lot for me, you know, moving forward, just deciding that God was good. I was going to choose to believe that no matter what and kind of hold on to that. And the storm, and it helped me get through through that time for sure. And it changed the way I view God moving forward. Megan talks a lot about the story of Jesus crying. Jesus wept, like the shortest verse in the Bible. She's talked about that and written a, a little devotional on it, which my wife is a very gifted writer. I love when she writes. And Shine has also encouraged her to write more, which I really appreciate. But she had a real revelation in that story because Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to wake up Lazarus. He says that before he goes. And yet when he goes, he sees the situation and he's weeping. And I had never thought about that before. I always thought Jesus was weeping because he was sad that Lazarus was dead. But that's not true because he knew he's about to wake up. He's about to walk out of the tomb. He knew that. And so you'd think he would be really excited and pumped up, but he's just sad because the other people are sad. He's sad because Mary's sad and he sees how broken she is. And that showed me just how much Jesus cares about you. You know, it's not like God made us and then left. It's a much more intimate relationship than that. My experience and and my wife really have shaped me in that way. And for those of you that don't know, Josh and Megan were expecting twins and Megan went into labor at 23 weeks, 23 weeks, six days. Finley went to be with Jesus And Riley is a vibrant five-year-old that has some repercussions from being born early. And so... And Riley is just the... She is just the light, you know. One of the next questions coming up, which... You want me to ask? Yeah, go ahead. This will be a good segue. (laughs) (laughs) So what lights you up, Josh? Yeah, definitely Riley and now Callie. Uh, It's just hard to be coming home to them. Riley is just... It's been so fun to watch her learn. I didn't really think about that aspect of being a dad watching... Riley learned new things. It's the coolest thing ever. And uh, just some of her mannerisms and the way she moves and like the way her eyes move, you can almost see her learning. Like you can actually see it happening when she's thinking about something. It's just amazing. That's my favorite. I love teaching her to read. Her Auntie M, Monica, she gave us a book. It's teaching Riley how to read. Riley will tell you she already knows how to read. (laughs) You need to keep working at it. (laughs) But she's super smart, and it's just a joy to watch her. And and now Callie, watching her do all these things. You know, I was away for four months. She was almost four months when I left, and then I was gone for almost four months. So I was gone for pretty much half her life. To get back, see her, I was like, whoa, you know? (laughs) How did she respond to you? (laughs) Cautiously. (laughs) You know, she... She definitely had her eye on me for the whole first day. I've seen you on FaceTime. She wanted to touch my face and who is this guy? (laughs) But it's been really fun, you know, watching her and watching them interact. You know, it's been really, really fun. Definitely being a dad. But then also, I do really enjoy my work. I enjoy what I do as a physical therapist, which isn't, I don't think, what most people think about. In terms of physical therapy, I work in an acute rehab. So it's not so much band exercises and stretching as it is teaching people to walk again, move again. I'm seeing people sometimes in the darkest week of their lives, you know. Mm. I've had all kinds of patients from patients who have just had strokes, who are much older, to young people who have been in a car accident or in some kind of traumatic event that has caused them to be paralyzed. You know, I've been in rooms when the doctors come in and said, we don't think you'll walk again. And you're sharing those moments with someone. And that's just a, I mean, I want to say an opportunity, but it's an opportunity to to be with people and try to be there for them in any way you can, and then give them as much hope as you can. I really view that as a ministry, being at work. And I also, I'm blessed to be with people who are really passionate about it. We have a really young crew there. Our boss is really cool and, and he supports us and backs us up in every way enjoying your your work. I think 80% of it is enjoying the people you work with. So I'm really fortunate to have a group of people that are really fun to be around and really care about physical therapy. And uh, I enjoy when I when I work with a patient who is just really excited to get better and to, to get back home. And obviously you want to give everyone 100%, but it's easier when someone's giving you 100% too. That's, it really feels like everything's clicking and I really feel like I'm in the right place when that's happening. Yeah, I'm fortunate to enjoy being at home and also being at work. Have you been able to tie the supernatural in with your work as a a healer, a physician in the physical realm? Have you made that connection? That's a really interesting question because I feel like it can get me in trouble. If you've been in the medical world, you know that 
there's always warnings. There always happen to give you worst case scenario. Like this is as bad as it can get and we need to tell you and we're not going to make any promises about how good you can get. It's it can very be, realistic. Yes. And, <laughs> and understandably so. I understand why. Hard to find a lot of hope when things are very realistic. For sure. For sure. And I, I guess I've been on that. I've been on the receiving end of that. I just, I want to be hopeful for people. I think sometimes I'm so optimistic that people I work with are like, you need to be realistic about this. But to me, when I'm working with someone, there's always, always hope that it can get better than it is. I treat patients that way. I treat them as if they can get better than they are right now, believing that they can get better than they are right now and make goals in that way. Because you know, I've seen what Jesus can do. I've seen people rise above what would naturally be expected. And I think that has definitely shaped the way that I treat the patients that I'm working with. We were just having this conversation at our Shine group about hope and how hope breeds faith. Do you remember how that quote went? That hope is a feeling and cannot see, but faith has sight. So hope is the catalyst is the catalyst is for faith to look first for something and then when faith can feel the hope Mm -hmm. that's when faith gets up yeah i I think someone who really someone who i really respect and admire and, and try to emulate in a lot of ways is your dad you know he was a physical therapist Probably my first experience with physical therapist actually was with him. I had a I had broken my ankle riding a bike and I uh, had a just really bad summer and I couldn't walk and it led to back pain and I was young and I was real young. I might have been homeschooled at the time, which means I was you know in junior high. <laughs> and just like having back pain that early, I was really concerned about it. I just wasn't getting better and it had been almost a couple of months that I had been really hobbling around. He <laughs> had his table and had me hop up on there. He stretched out my hamstrings and kind of talked to me about it. I got up off that table and walked away without pain. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm. Like, this is miraculous. He was in the Air Force as well. Was he a medic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's like a lot of parallels. And he got into physical therapy because of his daughter. Is that correct? Yeah, it was after the accident. So Josh is talking about my dad, Tony Altamare, who passed away three years ago. And my sister, Monica, we were in a car accident when we were teenagers. And Monica's paralyzed from the waist down and has been in a wheelchair for 34 years. And he got into athletic training. He went back to school and was a massage therapist. And people would pop over to our house all the time and he'd work on them. He'd bring out his table in the living room and his hands were a healer and yeah, I was really inspired by that. And he definitely just helped me out in a moment and it changed a lot for me. And so that's why I got a table. And if anyone is needing some advice and needs some help, I'd love to do it because he had that impact on me. And that's a legacy that he passed on to me. I think that you know you can pass legacy on. It doesn't have to be in within your family. You can pass it on outside. And he also went on a mission trip to New Mexico and had a big impact on me there, as, as did Mark. That's what being a community is all about, I think. And we have a really cool church, I think. Really amazing. That We have the coolest church. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you are out there listening and you need a place to come, <laughs> come visit us at the Upper Room. <laughs> yeah, I've really been blessed. I've really been blessed by it, for sure. And it's cool that I'm sitting here talking to you guys now, because I've had a huge impact on, by people um, during my 30 years here, for sure. You know, I think it's fascinating that God created our human body the way it is, and In the medical field, a lot of it is just wisdom from heaven about how the body functions and what the body needs and how we can bring healing to our body through wisdom. And And that's fascinating to me. And then using the skills and and knowledge that you have to minister to people. I think that's what your dad did for sure and was a great example of that. I hope I can do that for people too. Oh, and you are. Yes. So let's talk about that, how you're letting your light shine. I think what you said earlier about giving people hope, that that is supernatural. And some people, they may undervalue that. But to me, sometimes giving people hope to get faith is supernatural. And we need more people Mm -hmm. letting hope be seen. Yeah, I think people approach hope cautiously. Megan always accuses me of of maybe being overly optimistic about situations, but I definitely embrace hope. And can I just say how much I appreciate that coming from you and Megan, who have experienced deep loss and grief and who are not full of hope and faith naively. 
I think for, you know, for people who are feeling hopeless or at a loss for hope, this isn't someone who's just like skipped through life and has been untouched. This is a family who's been deeply touched and who's walked through fire and who has remained on the other side grateful and hopeful and full of faith. I just appreciate you as a family that being something that you continue to shine it's such a show of your guys' really beautiful character. Oh, thank so you. thank you. Thank you. I, You know, I think looking back at that time and going through that, how that all went down, we would not have been able to do that without community around us. When you ask about how you're letting your light shine, I think that I would, if I'm being honest, I would like to let my light shine in community more. I think that Shine community has been really big for our church. And I know that Jim Brown, you know, his podcast, he has a big heart for the men's ministry. And I would like to figure out ways to incorporate more of that, more of the men's ministry. I don't want to say this on the podcast because I don't want to be held accountable for this later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're not striking this. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that around me. I was just gone for four months and I realized down there, and this has happened to me, I've been gone before. Like, I got to hold on to this. I need to remember this feeling. I really miss home in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is the community that the upper room has. And I want to be a more active member of that community. I just got to hang out with Jeremy and Sarah uh, Lindemann. That was just really cool. You know, how many times have I been in church with them and and not talked to them? So I'd like to let my light shine, I guess, more actively in community. And if that's doing something that's more ministry related as far as serving in a specific area of need, or if it's getting out on a golf course. I know that Rob Schwartz said he doesn't golf, but I'd like to... Oh, he does golf. (laughs) He doesn't... (laughs) He just doesn't like his score right now. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I I think that's all right. I will not challenge his score. He come out golfing with me. Uh, Chris, Chris is a golfer, right? You know, Jonathan, Brian, there's lots of guys who can golf. Maybe we need a golf league. We need a golf league. Mark Um, golfs, but he he put his clubs away after my dad passed away. They were uh, on a golf league together and uh, he said, it's not the same. So he put his golf clubs away and they're collecting dust in the Um, garage. Did we just create something right now? I'm all about it. So, well, Chris started the basketball league and that was a really cool way to get out and meet guys. But I got to be honest, I'm not the best version of myself (laughs) on a basketball court. I get really competitive. Yeah, but like when you're golfing, you're not really playing against whoever you're playing with, you're kind of playing against yourself or maybe against the course would be a better way to say it. it's like you against the course so you can be competitive and still be nice you know i feel like when i play basketball sometimes i get a little too carried away and uh and golf's a little safer too you know <laughs> but i feel like golf also offers the opportunity for better discussion yep conversation than on a basketball court yep Probably not talking about much. Yeah. Well, and I've heard that. Like, women like to communicate face-to-face, and men like to communicate side-by-side, shoulder-to-shoulder, where they're doing something. Yeah, I think it provides definitely an opportunity for that. So I'm, I'm all about that. If you guys want to go out golfing, you guys listening out there, let me know. I like that. <laughs> all right. That's better well, than think... Barry saying, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, if you golf, you can come, you can come golfing. <laughs> I think, too, one of the ways that I appreciate how you let your light shine is by example. I know that I just said that you guys are such an example of hope and faith in the midst of what you've walked through. You're an example for people who have watched you through that life experience. But I also appreciate how much of an example you are in setting goals for yourself. I can't even count the number of times in this podcast where you've said challenged or I've challenged myself or this was a challenge to me. But the idea that you not only take challenges when they come head on, but you look for them. Who challenges themselves when they listen to a podcast? I don't. But <laughs> but that by listening things, you're like, okay, here's my challenge to myself. Am I passively listening to this or am I actively doing something about it? I just appreciate how you set these goals for yourself. And that's such a good example for people. It's just so easy to be caught up in the busyness and the hecticness of life and just be like, what did I do last week? What did I do this year? Or we take in a lot of information. Like we are in the information age where, I mean, we could teach ourselves anything. Just pull up a YouTube video and drywall, change a tie. I mean, anything. I think sometimes we are just gathering in information and then we don't do anything with it, which we do ourselves a disservice for that. 
So we were talking before we came in here about home and Ohio and yeah. Columbiana. I love it when people love their hometown. So let's give Ohio and yes. Columbiana, Ohio a plug. For sure. When I was when I was away, I was in San Antonio, Texas. Now, I don't want to offend anyone who's from Texas. I was down there during the snow. And let me tell you, it was miserable. I was getting nervous that we just wouldn't have water or food. I've never been in like a disaster situation like that. And so maybe it's not fair to judge Texas based on that. Just outside of that, every time I'm away from home, I appreciate how nice we have it in Ohio. I love everything about my home. I love my family. I love our little house. I love... We're neighbors on meds. (laughs) (laughs) I love Columbiana, but I love the state of Ohio. And people in Texas got tired of me talking about how much I loved Ohio. Um, When I graduated, I got a picture of me at graduation in front of the Ohio flag. I just love it. There's other places in the country, like in Texas... Winter was nice. Outside of the snow was nice. But by the time I left, it was 95 degrees. That's in April. I mean, and I've been in Texas in July. It's not enjoyable. But in Ohio, like 95% of the time, we're between like 20 and 80 degrees. We complain when it gets outside of that. But there are a lot of places in the country where the majority of the time is spent outside. There were people at this training that were from North Dakota and Wyoming. And there's like sub-zero temperatures and they're always talking about feet of snow out there. And in Ohio, we get all the seasons. So mm-hmm. it gives you an appreciation. By the time fall rolls around, you're ready for it. Like, oh, I love the brisk fall air. And then the snow comes. Like, ooh, yeah, snow. And when you get tired of the snow, spring is here. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's new and magical. And then it's summer and 4th of July. And it's hot. And it's supposed to be hot in the summer. And it gets cold in the winter. It's, it's nice. I think we have it really nice. It's green here. It's also very green here. I've been to California and Texas recently. And let me tell you, it is green in Ohio. And it is nice. Yeah, that was one of the comments that I had a friend say. They had lived out of state for so long. And they were like, what is going on? I've never seen more colors of green, yeah. shades of green in my life. Yeah, it's beautiful. Ohio is- yes, so I am glad to be stuck in Ohio. I love that. Like, let's bloom where we're planted. Don't be offended because I told Michaela the college she was going to is a dump because it was in Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) My dad says the spirit changes when you cross the border. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. So one of the other things that my dad says that he talked about some of the things in in his podcast, so and I remember him talking to me about these things. Like, when, as he was saying in the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I can remember the moment he said that to me. You don't learn anything from your success except to think too much of yourself. I think that was a direct quote that, that he gave on the podcast. He's just given me a lot of really golden life advice. Trust is earned over a long period of time, over years, and it is lost, can be lost instantly. That's really good. One of the other things that he said that I felt like he should have said on his podcast, and so I want He's to saying it. it for him. I'm going to say it here. It's something that I've taken, and I've used it many, many times. It really changed a lot for me. My dad had like a fleet of vehicles that he maintained for us growing up. He was very good about making sure that our cars were in good order. And we had a whole bunch of vehicles at that house. And he was always working on them. I come home from college and he'd be checking it out. One day he comes up to me. Now, my dad has talked about his Quaker roots. I remember him telling me at one point that he wasn't allowed to listen to music with drums in it. He felt like he was always trying to listen to more progressive music. And so he's always very understanding about our music choices. This time he was in the car and he came up to me with this concerned dad look. He said, Josh, I, I want to talk to you about something I found in your car. And it was a, a CD. I don't want to say the name of the artist. We'll say it was a rapper who has the same name as a, as a candy. He said, I just want you to know and remember that sometimes the mood you're in determines the music that you listen to. But more often, the music you listen to determines the mood you're in. That was so profound to me. I was like, that is so true. If I listen to a certain kind of music, then I start to feel a certain kind of way. And it's changed the music I listen to from that day forward. And he could have gotten really mad. I would say today as a dad, maybe, you know, even rightfully so, but he didn't, you know, he just gave me the, you know, this, put the CD back, you know, (laughs) that really changed a lot for me. Now I listen to Need to Breathe and, and worship music. And I think Kate is largely responsible for a lot of my music. <laughs> oh, wow. At this point, you send a ton of music to Megan, who then sends it to me. Yeah. She's like, fill your little Civic up with this song on the way home from work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like blasting. We drive it down Route 11. <clears throat> yeah. 
What is profound? Yeah. I don't know if that's a common thing. And like, I just heard from my dad. I don't know if everyone has heard that advice, but I've given that advice to lots of, lots of people since. Okay. Would you prefer question number four, old four? Question number four, new four. So is the new four the supernatural thing? It is. Something that comes to my mind was like being the podcast connoisseur you are. But in a way, God preparing you for the situation with Finn and Riley by you listening to that podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a whoa kind of moment when the doctor came in and said, they're 23 weeks, six days. And I had just listened to a podcast on Radiolab, which is an NPR podcast. We're really, really good. I listen a lot when I'm in the car or when I'm out walking or, or jogging and I'm listening to it. I came home and I don't normally share everything that I listen to with Megan because she would get really annoyed. <laughs> but uh, it was so moving and so profound that I had to which in retrospect, maybe I wouldn't have done just because she was pregnant with twins at the time. But I listened to the story about this girl named Juniper who was born 23 weeks, six days. And the podcast, the, the story is just amazing, really well done. And the parents are there talking about their experience going through the NICU with this little girl. And they talk in depth about the night that everything happened. And it wasn't a week later that Finley and Riley were born at 23 weeks, six days. The doctor came in and said, it's 23 weeks, six days. And I was, are you sure? And uh, they said, yeah. You know, the experiences that we had th- through the NICU, a lot of them, I felt like we were prepared for because I'd listened to that podcast. And so it wasn't because I had read a certain verse or anything like that in some of those moments, like when, when the doctor comes in and asks, so what do you want to do? This is going to be really hard. And this is your last opportunity to stop this. I remember them talking in the, on the podcast about how they could hear her heartbeat mm-hmm. through the monitor and struggling with that decision. And that's a real decision, you know. Maybe because of some of the the schooling I'd had, I was maybe a little more prepared for what we were facing, what we were about to face, and just being really scared, you know, in that moment of all the possibilities, you know, that we're looking at. I think that podcast really helped and think you should be listening for God's voice, even if you're listening to an NPR podcast or listening to some music driving down the road, not just when you're praying or reading your Bible. Oh, which, am I allowed to plug things? Yes. So one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is the Daily Audio Bible podcast, which I know <laughs> Chris has listened to. Have either of you listened to the Daily Audio Bible? I haven't, but I've been, I heard about the well and I thought I'm going to check that out. I have a 30 minute drive to work. I, is it dorky? I know about the Daily Audio Bible. Okay. I have not listened though. Okay. So but we've had laughs about it. Yes. Because Brian Harden, which if you listen to it consistently, you just grow to really, really, really appreciate his voices. <laughs> it's very, it's, he's a great reader. But more than that, he has great insight. If you're looking for a way to get into the Bible, which can be difficult, it can be overwhelming to kind of tackle something like that, the Daily Audio Bible will read you the Bible in one year. So it goes through the Old Testament and then parallels with the New Testament. So usually about roughly two chapters of Old Testament, one chapter of New Testament, and a psalm and a proverb, roughly. How long? I have about a 25-minute drive. If I listen to what Brian talks about at the end as well, it chews up about 20 minutes of the drive. So it's about 20 minutes of your day. But, you know, when you're reading the Bible, there's a lot of times where you counter things and you think, whoa, I didn't know that was in there. It can be hard to reconcile with your experience of God. And he does a, a phenomenal job, I think, of just kind of keeping everything in perspective. Kimple had talked about the story of Jesus just being the best story out there. My experience with the Daily Audio Bible has really shown me that it is a story, you know, kind of looking at the Bible as one continuous story, not a separate Old Testament and New Testament, and Jesus talks about that in his ministry. But it is just an amazing story of the redemption of man. And being able to kind of consume that through an easy medium, like a podcast, it's really beneficial to me personally, and gives me, I guess, almost more of a, a desire to listen to more of the Word and to take more of that in, whether it's through listening or reading, studying. And I really would encourage you, if you're interested in getting into the Bible more and trying to take more of the Bible in, I think Daily Audio Bible is a way to do that. And it does it in a digestible way, because if you just try to go beginning to end, you can get bogged down in Leviticus, and, you know, Deuteronomy. And We've talked about that a lot. Jeremiah. Great advice. <laughs> Especially in this day and age where I've noticed I used to be a voracious reader, and I feel like social media has shortened my attention span to seconds. 
because we're just used to scrolling, scrolling, and you'll watch three seconds. Nope. You know, and so I think that's a great tool to use, especially when we're inundating ourselves, some of us. We're being inundated by our phones and social media and technology to use that in a positive way to get the word read yeah, or get the word into you. And it's also a way that I was able to plug into community here through podcasts was listening to Chris's sermons through the podcast app. I've really appreciated that. I think we're extremely blessed to have you and Chris um, and just the elders here uh, are really amazing. Uh, But I've, I've really appreciated Chris's sermons. He's a a great teaching pastor for sure. And the way that he approaches the the story that he's covering, the series series that he covers, he puts it in context Mm -hmm. and, and perspective for the time, but then also does a great job with the application side of it. And I've never listened to a Chris Holm podcast and not been challenged to change my life in some way. I've really appreciated I've really appreciated him. He's a great teacher of of the word. I feel like there's that saying, I don't know if you've heard it before, the idea that, you know, there's Christians walking around today or just people in general with, you know, million dollar bodies and two cent. We invest millions in our bodies and we invest twenty five cents in our into our spiritual lives or spiritual growth. The idea that we have like one cent spirits and million dollar bodies. We're willing to do so much for how we look and how we come across, how people take us in, Hmm. but that I just appreciate that you are pushing biblical literacy (laughs) to like know your Bible, to listen to your Bible, to grow your spirit, to take your time and not just listen to the word, but, you know, spend your time listening to podcasts and to Chris preach again, like challenging yourself to work, you know, rather than just listen and take it in because we will work hard on our bodies, but we don't oftentimes work really hard on our spirits. Yeah. I didn't know if this was going to get into the Enneagram thing. I I know. Do you know what you are? So I'm... Are you guessing? I'm going to say that I've not been pigeonholed. Is that what that means when you're like, this is what you are? Yeah. Even though you haven't taken the test. Yeah. But like... (laughs) People type. You're not supposed to type other people, but we love to do that. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Megan, for for a long time, was trying to figure me out. And I think the personality test thing I've I've struggled with, again, I kind of relate to Barry and that. Mm. But I think part of it is because I take that test, whatever personality test it is, as if it's a test. And I'm like trying to find the right answer Hmm. rather than what actually applies to me. So So you're a one or three. That sounds terrible. I'm not going to choose that answer. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know where this is going. I don't really really want to be that guy. So I'm going to pick this one. But I'm probably a three. Like I was looking at them in preparation for this. I was like, they're going to ask me what my number is. So I asked Megan. I was reading them and I'm probably a three. Oh, you're in good company. Both threes? We're all threes. We're all threes. All threes. Three. Marky, he's like, I don't want to talk about that stuff. And he had to do it for school for the class that he's in. And oh, Jaden no. and I were like, we already know what you are. We know what you are. Yeah. And so he took it. He sent me his results and we're like, we knew it. That better be an eight. We, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like if he got a number that wasn't an eight. He's is- like, I'm a three. I'm a wing three. I'm like, you can't be an eight with a three. But him and I always have on the personality test that only have four choices, like the disc, we we score very You're similar. Like so and eights and threes can be mistyped. But we're like, yeah, I know you're an eight because threes care what other people think about them and eights don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I didn't care so much about what other people thought about me, but the achiever, right? That's what mm-hmm. the that's what the three is called. As you were talking, I was like, I feel like this is being like reinforced to me that this is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really want to encourage our listeners. It's so amazing to me, you know, we've had your parents on and they've talked about their the faith of their parents and how coming from third or fourth or fifth generation Christians that you and your siblings are a product of that. And so you may be listening and thinking, I am a first generation Christian in my life, but I want to encourage you, like it starts with you yeah, and you sure. can start building a legacy now, even if you didn't come from a heritage of a Christian foundation and didn't have that, that it can start with you. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're listening out there thinking about that, that you could be the catalyst and you are setting a legacy for your future generations. And so 
it's neat to hear the fruit of that having young people come on and share their story. And you guys are parents now and getting to watch that come alive. You know, Riley's like the star of the children's ministry podcast with (laughs) Megan. And people are like, we know Riley. In fact, somebody said they came to church and they saw Riley, but they had been watching the videos. Right. I forget who it was. They were like, that's my friend, Riley. <laughs> and they got to meet her in person because they've been watching her on, on the podcast. So that's it's amazing. Yeah, I'm super proud of my wife and my daughter doing those. Oh my goodness, I love watching those YouTube videos of them. They're so good. They're so enjoyable. I'm very proud. My wife is amazing. really, really, really talented, really. She was our guest author this week for our Shine Bright newsletter. Yes. You know, guys, I we do this for women's ministry, but guys are allowed on there. You're on our you're allowed on our Instagram page, Shine URF, and our Shine Bright newsletters, and you're all welcome. I get the privilege of reading those before they go out. Megan lets me me read them. I'm not a very good critic though, because I'm such a fan. <laughs> I, I I don't know how you would ever improve this. This is so perfect. I love that. <laughs> I, it's so good. I She's like, that. help me edit yeah. this. Yeah. No, it's perfection. Yeah. That's fun. Oh. And I also I I want you to hear Josh, who's a young man. You're are you a millennial? Probably. Yeah. I think you would classify me as that. Who is promoting community. That's right. So you hear it from the old folks. <laughs> you hear it from the old folks. You hear it from grandmas and grandpas and Gen Xers. And But listen, if you are not in community with people in our church or people who are pursuing Jesus and chasing hard after God, I just encourage you to find find it and get into it and make yourself available and vulnerable and do it because it makes a difference. Isolation is not good, and we need people in our lives who are encouraging us, giving us hope, giving us wisdom, and helping to bring out the best in us. Listen to Josh. Get in community. (laughs) Read your Bible. Spread hope. Yeah, and I think it's. I mean, I think it's hard to take that first step because it is. You're making yourself a little vulnerable, maybe. And but I think a lot of people would be very receptive if they were asked with enough forewarning. You know, I have a tendency of, and guys in the church will attest to this. Hey, guys, let's get together. Tonight. <laughs> now. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I have plans. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I think I think if you're intentional about it and, and plan it out, I think a lot of people are very receptive. Well, thanks. Thanks for the coffee, our yeah. decaf Americana from Generations. That was so thoughtful. That was. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for the you. idea, Rob. So fun. Yeah. We benefited. I don't know how to give. Oh, wait. What's yeah. a foodie? I'm not a foodie. I'm just a quick, like. A quick review. I don't even know what kind of words. Words like rich it's missing a bit of the caffeine (laughs) there's a a little bit missing but (laughs) it goes down smooth and two o'clock in the afternoon so probably shouldn't be drinking caffeine right now spoken like a true i am not a coffee connoisseur (laughs) anyhow well i have enjoyed this very much thank you for having me on Oh, it's our privilege, and make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye! Bye.